Did you know the second coming of Jesus is mentioned 329 times in the Bible? This makes it the second most cited doctrine outside of salvation by grace through faith. This event is the prophetic key that unlocks all future events by fulfilling Old Testament and New Testament prophecies, including many by Jesus himself. Join us now as we dig into the facts surrounding the certainty of the second coming. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to... The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Welcome, everyone. So glad you could join us. Uh, we're about to embark upon one of the most important topics in, in all of the Bible, certainly one of the most anticipated events, not only for Christians, but there are also plenty of skeptics or non believers or people maybe sitting on the fence or maybe Jewish people wondering if Yeshua is the Messiah. Uh, because they see the things that are going on around us and and they know uh, what was foretold thousands of years ago and so much of what we're looking around today is a foreshadow of what will what will come. So uh, I, I just want to thank you. If you like subjects like these and, and digging into the truth and looking at things, um, not just from what the Bible has to say, but uh, I, I, I like to really dig into what other people have to say, what the historical um, references are outside of the Bible, uh, you know, what are some of the things that have been handed down culturally that, that might lend an ear, if you will. Uh, I, I like to investigate all aspects of, of relevant information because the bottom line for me and hopefully for you is you want the truth. No matter where this truth may bring you, uh, ultimately, I always believe that if you know the truth, no matter the consequences, no matter the circumstances, you can always navigate from there. So that's what I try to really dig into. Um, and so if you like subjects like this or this approach, if you will, please hit the like or subscribe button. Love to have you uh, uh, join us and, and exchange some information. Give, me, give us your comments, whether you like you know, some things that you hear or maybe disagree or you have another perspective. It's all good. So please, if you could, uh, join the website, or I should say get on the website and sign up with for an, our email list. We'd love to see you. But uh, let me, let me uh, get this ball rolling, if you will. So let me give you a little bit of, a, of an introduction of where we're going. So in, in this section in particular, uh, we're going to what's called the certainty of the second coming. I'm going to be looking at the, a, a delineation between what is the physical appearance of the second coming of Jesus and what's called the rapture of the church. Uh, there are clearly two different um, uh, mentions in this throughout Scripture. It's very clear they're two different events, so we're going to break that down a bit. Uh, so this is why I say it's the certainty of the second coming. Um, but other categories or other areas we're going to be looking at because I want to look at it from all angles. Uh, what's called the second coming of Jesus in Israel, where I say the future, where the future meets the past, uh, because so much of what was written and foretold thousands of years ago is is what Israel is seeing today, uh, in preparation for the return uh, of the Messiah. Uh, the next being the 70 weeks of Daniel, what I call the foundation for the coming tribulation. If you are a skeptic or non-believer, 
please listen to this one. I'm going to present some facts to you that will blow you out of the water. It defies any logic, any mathematical plausibility. It's not even close. That uh, proves the authenticity uh, of the Bible and proves the authenticity of of Jesus Christ as the Son of God and as as our our coming King. Um, Next, I want to look at what's happening around us. What are modern-day observations? Are there biblical signposts? Uh, following this, we're going to go into the, what's, what I call the battle for Jerusalem. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that Jerusalem's been the focal point of so many con- controversies and wars for thousands of years. Uh, then the last two categories will be from Patmos to heaven, where we really dig deeply into the book of Revelation, what I call John's vision that he saw in eternity. And then finally, the return of heaven's anointed son, which is Jesus the King, We'll be looking at um, what the return of of Jesus looks like, what that means, and what is to come in in the thousand years that follow. So uh, I'm looking forward to to unraveling some things. So hope you'll join us and I hope you'll sit back and 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 have fun with this because this is this is really what this is fun. This is good news. So how significant is this? Uh, the Bible mentions this 329 times, uh, and, and as was cited earlier, it makes it the second most frequently mentioned doctrine. Um, it, this is the event that unlocks everything that is to come, all, all prophecies, that everything with the return of Jesus will, will culminate from, from, gen, from the Genesis on through uh, to, to his return, and then what will follow. Um, Christ's return is mentioned in 17 Old Testament books before he was even born, and seven out of every 10 chapters in the New Testament. Only four books do not, out of the 27 in the New Testament, only four books do not mention his second coming. Three of them are single-page letters uh, that are directed at a a certain person. Uh, The New Testament has 318 references from 216 chapters. Somebody did the math, I didn't, but that comes out to an equivalent to one out of every 30 verses. Uh, In the first 300 years of the church, this was the second most sought-after topic. This is what what the people of the early church wanted to know about. So the Lord Jesus himself refers to this event 21 times, 21 um, and I'm going to read one here from Matthew 24:30. At that time, the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Why? Because they don't know, or they're not ready for, to receive. They did not receive him, and they realize that their time is up. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Even the angels proclaim and let us know about this event. So when Jesus is ascending on the Mount of Olives, uh, Acts one eleven says, Men of Galilee, this is the angel speaking, uh, why do you stand here stand here looking in the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. So they're letting you know that, hey, don't don't worry, he's coming back. Um John fourteen two three. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come back for you and take to be with me that you may also be where I am. So he's preparing a place just specifically for you. I can't wait to see what he's got prepared for me, quite honestly. Um, I, I, I like to think I have good taste and I enjoy I enjoy the studio that I'm recording this in. I designed it. I'm, I'm, you know, I, the things around here make me happy. They bring me joy. Well, guess what? It's going to be nothing compared to what he has built for me or has made for me. Not that I deserve it, but simply because he has, uh, I, I've accepted him as, as Lord and Savior. I deserve it in the sense that his sacrifice was, was, was worth it. Um, and, and that was the decision of the Father. But I, but I digress. Um, let me look at something here called the bookends of Revelation, the beginning and the end. Revelation 1-7, look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him, so shall it be. Amen. Let's go to the end of Revelation 22-20. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. So right there, beginning in the end of Revelation, and, and I have with the bookends, and if you're seeing this on video, I, I have behind this what I would say is, is the ultimate bookend, which is the the blood of Jesus. You know, that's that's what that's the reason that that we're here. That's the reason that he's coming. It's be, that he has been the sacrificial lamb uh, presented to the Father on our behalf. I must say, if you're listening to this on podcast, I'm so glad you're with me. But if you're watching this on video, you're seeing a beautiful painting by an artist who it's his rendition of what he uh, has. He sees things in the return of Jesus coming back on his white horse as the eternal son. Uh, Revelation 1911. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice he judges and wages war. Uh, his eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. Then we see the incarnation of him. Uh, Revelation 19.11 continues to 13. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. That's his blood that was bought to the Father um, uh, just just before his appearance. If, if you've watched or hopefully you listened to uh, the three days between resurrection, uh, crucifixion and resurrection, there's a point where Jesus presents his blood as king and high priest and sacrificial lamb to the Father, deposited on the mercy seat, and his robe is dipped in that blood before he comes. And then it shows in Revelation 19:16 his reign as eternal king. It, it writes, John, the Apostle John writes here, On his robe and on his thigh he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So that's who's coming back for us. So I just want to you know, point out here that there's so much in, in Scripture that alludes to his second coming. These are some of the highlights. So now I want to talk about what it will be like when he comes back. What are the situations? And the reason I'm doing this is I'm going to concentrate in this and the coming section on the rapture of the church, that there's clearly two different events. But everybody says with the second coming, they think of Jesus coming to earth, which will happen. So... Um, in, in, in this next slide here, I'm going to give you what I call the abridged summary. But let me just preface it by saying 
this moment in time is when our Lord Jesus returns to the earth in power and glory. This is to set up his kingdom that will last a thousand years. This is the millennial kingdom that will come once, once we're at the end of the tribulation. This will be the culmination of at least 325 prophecies of his second coming, setting up the most ideal conditions since Adam and Eve. So here are the events of the glorious appearing. I, if you're on video, uh, you see I've highlighted all the scriptures so you can look this up. But if you're listening, let me just give you the summary. It takes place after the tribulation. Uh, this co- there will be cosmic phenomena in the sun, the moon, and the stars. Uh, the sign of the Son of Man in heaven will be seen by everyone, and Christ will gather his elect. Let me just stop for a second. It's because of fiber and satellite technology and cellular technology that you can be anywhere on the earth right now and you can see any other situation anywhere else instantaneously. So technology has allowed this to happen, even though I'm sure supernaturally the Lord can make it happen without technology. Um, Heaven will open and Christ will appear on a white horse. We just saw that. Christ will be followed by the armies of heaven. That's us. Um, if you're going up in the tribulation uh, or, 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 be, or beforehand, and we'll get into that, but we are the ones who are coming back with him. Uh, Christ will come in power and glory. He will stand on the Mount of Olives. Unbelievers will mourn because they're not ready. Um, this is the time that Christ cast the beast and the false prophet into the lake of fire. The beast refers to the Antichrist. Christ's rejectors will be killed. Satan will be cast into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. The Old Testament and tribulation saints will be resurrected, and Christ will come to judge the nations and establish his kingdom. This will all happen at the second coming, at the culmination uh, of the seven years of tribulation. So as I said, there's two distinctions to his one coming. There's the rapture and the second coming. Uh, I've cited a whole bunch of different scriptures. I've got probably 20 some odd scriptures for the rapture and then another 20 different scriptures that outline the second coming. There are two different events. Um, People get confused about it. I'll just say that some uh, teachers and students see the second coming in two phases. I, I, I don't. I say there's one second coming and most agree that the rapture is a second event. Um, uh, the appearance of Christ in the air to rapture his church foreshadows his coming again to after the second uh, after the seven seven year tribulation. So I just w- want to emphasize there is no doubt in anyone's mind, any scholar, any theologian, uh, anybody who studies, and just a student, uh, you know, just a lover of the Lord, that there are two different events. There is the rapture of the church, and there is the second coming of Jesus. The bone of contention, if you will, is the timing of the rapture. That's where some people will agree and disagree. But I want to I write or read here, I should say, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. I'm going to refer to um, Thessalonians a couple of times. I just want to preface it by saying this is probably one of the most important books when it comes to the second coming. The church of Thessalonica wasn't sure if they missed it, so Paul wanted to emphasize what and when the second coming was. Um, he did it in Second Th- Thessalonians as well. But this, every chapter in this book mentions the second coming. But let me read this for you. It says, this is Apostle Paul speaking to the church. 
brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then the highlight, if you're seeing this on video, after that, we who those who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. In the air. And so we'll be, we will be with the Lord forever. And I want you to remember this. It's Paul says in his closing, therefore, encourage one another with these words. He's, he's telling you, be comforted. And, and you'll see why I say that, because, you know, we're going to, if, if you look at the, the rapture of the church to be post-tribulation, you're not going to be encouraged to have to go through the wrath of the Lord. But he's saying, be encouraged one another. So I, 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 I wanted to emphasize that, if you will. So let me um, let me look break down the four different um, belief systems, if you will, and let me let me say that the reason for this is there is no clear distinction in the Bible that says the tribula the, the rapture. I'm sorry, will happen at this moment in time. It will happen pre-trib, partial trib, post-trib. It doesn't say, but there is plenty of scriptures to elude the timing of it, but. I'm not going to get hung up and argue with people. I'm going to show you why I believe what I believe. But I also want to point out that, you know, there are some who who disagree. And so there's four different um, belief systems out there. By far and away, pre-tribulation rapture is the most accepted doctrine. Post-trib, you know, uh, is the second most. The other two, very, very few and far between. Um but everyone that takes the Bible literally believes in the second coming of Jesus, and almost every one of these believers in the in the rapture of the church according, that will be brought to the Father's house according to, to the book of John. These events are so clearly taught, it's impossible to deny them. However, there are divergent op- opinions as to the exact timing of the rapture. There is not one verse that teaches Jesus will come before, during, or after tribulation. The timing must be based on careful study and deduction based upon Bible scriptures concerning his return. So if you see this on video, I kind of point out what I call the church age, which is what we're in right now, which started with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then you have your seven years of tribulation. Then you have a thousand years of millennium. And and so either you believe before the tribulation, uh, number two, there are some that believe in a partial rapture that what they call spiritual Christians, um, you know, will be raptured beforehand, and then carnal Christians, meaning they may have with, you know, with just kind of spoken the words or didn't really believe what 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 they were speaking, but going through the tribulation, they came to accept Jesus as millions will. Um, then there are some who believe it happens in in the middle of the tribulation. There will be a rapture there. There will be the two witnesses that happens in mid-tribulation, but that's, a, that's for another topic. Um, and then there's the rapture uh, at the end of tribulation. But So there's those four belief systems. I just wanted to get that out there to make that clear. 
So I'm going to show you, oh, actually beforehand, let me just say this. Uh, rapture is a translation of the Greek word harpazo. It occurs 14 times in the New Testament, which means to carry off by force. The Latin term rapio or rapio, which means to snatch away or carry off, is the source of the English word. So I've, I've cited here what the four um, point of views are and why. And for me, you know, I say Christ comes in fulfillment of his own promise in Revelation 3.10, which to keep the church from the hour of temptation. Uh, those who believe in the partial rapture, Christ will come only for those that look for him, which is Hebrews 9.28, causing some Christians to enter the tribulation but be raptured at another time, uh, what, what I say this cataclysmic period. This is a very unpopular view, but there are some out there. Uh, the mid-tribulation view, Christ raptures his church um, with the two witnesses, as I spoke about. That's Enoch and Eli. Uh, Elijah, I'm sorry, Eli. Um, some believe it might be Moses, but if you look at it, uh, um, Enoch and Elijah are the two who never died. They were they were actually raptured themselves. So that's why uh, the thinking is, and I, I and I agree with it that that, that it will be they will be the two witnesses. Um, but but the problem with this mid trib is uh, these two witnesses they're coming for the Jewish people. They're they're coming to witness to the Jewish people. They're going to be on on the Temple Mount area, um, and they also bypass Revelation four one through three, which John has taken up to heaven as an illustration of the church. Uh, and the fourth is the post-tribulation rapture, which I would say is the second most popular, that Christ will come at the end of tribulation, which means the church will go through and be raptured before his glorious appearing. Although popular, this view bypasses Jesus' promise in Revelation, but it also leaves no time at all for the marriage supper of the Lamb, as well as the judgment seat of Christ, which we'll get to um, later on in this second section. Because we're going to, the judgment seat is, is something wonderful for Christians, as we'll see, because Christ is, is going to present rewards to, to, uh, to many of us. So for this slide, I just wanted to give you what, what I say are five major points of why I believe in, in, in the uh, um, pre-tribulation rapture. Uh, Christians clearly are not appointed to wrath. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, this follows the second strongest passage on rapture in the Bible. Keep it in context. Again, when I said about the church of uh, Thessalonica. Number two, if you're watching this on video, it's the black highlight, black and white highlight. The church is to be delivered. Jesus rescues us from the wrath to come. This letter is one of the first books of the New Testament. Uh, that emphasizes the second coming and also the imminent return of Christ, the rapture, the tribulation, and other end-time subjects. Uh, this is 1 Thessalonians 1.10. Paul mentions the second coming in every chapter of this book. Leaves no doubt about the main subject. Number three, the church is absent in Revelations 4-18. through 18. So, uh, John never never mentions the church in, in, in all of this of what we're talking about, which is these se seven years of tribulation. The church is not mentioned. And, you know, to me, that that's obvious. Number four, imminent is the word to use to describe the doctrine of, of Christ could come at any moment. We're going to dig into that in, in just another minute. So 
but what's called the doctrine of imminency. And we always say that, you know, Christ could come at any second, any moment, be ready. You know, um, the other three views do not hold this point. In fact, they're not looking for Christ. They're looking for the Antichrist. How often do you look around the world today and people are trying to figure out, well, this president, this prime minister, or or this banker, or this corporate business person, or this king, um, that, or, you know, Europe, Middle East, North Africa, they're, they're always trying to figure out where is the, where is, who, who's the Antichrist? Where is he? Um, I'll tell you where he is. Uh, I'll tell you right now where he is. Uh, he, <laughs> he's in Tartarus right now, and his name is Apollyon. Uh, but we don't know what, what form of man he'll, he'll come. But I'm telling you where the, the, and the revelation is pretty clear about that, where, or who that, who that is, uh, but who he, uh, how shall I say, who he takes the form of or who he controls as a man, we do not know. Uh, and if you're in the church of Jesus and you're pre-tribulation rapture, you won't know uh, because the people on earth will then find out uh, because the rapture of the church triggers the tribulation. And fifth and finally, the Lord himself promised to deliver us uh, through the promise appears to be written to the church of Philadelphia. Uh, remember, this was the letter to the seven churches in Revelation. It's a future event. This specific church has long been disbanded or destroyed. The letters were written to all of the churches. Remember that. And the promise is not to be fulfilled until a trial comes on the entire world. And the fifth point of this <clears throat> is the Greek word from is translated out of. So you can. it really means... Jesus saying, I will keep you out of the wrath to come. So those are five major points. There's a lot more uh, that I would say, and some of it we'll, we'll, we'll get into in a moment here. So the word imminent means without warning at any moment. And we, and we say this all the time, that Jesus could come at any moment. So the pre-tribulation rapture is the only view that allows for the rapture to be imminent in its timing. All of the other views require a number of prophetic occurrences to take place before the rapture can be declared imminent. That's not the case here. Jesus repeatedly said to his, uh, that his return for the church would be a surprise. The Lord even went beyond that by saying he would return as a thief when, when believers generally wouldn't be expecting him uh, to come for them. Now, I will say my own personal belief that when he says, I will come as a thief in the night, meaning that's for the unbelievers. I personally believe, as, as the Lord says, we do not know the day or hour, only the Father knows. But I, as believers, and you have the Holy Spirit in you, you'll know the season. You'll have an anticipation that the time is imminent, that the time could be at any moment. And I would say the clock is ticking. Um, Jesus says in, in Matthew 24, therefore be ready for in such an hour, you think not the son of man comes who then is a faithful and wise servant who is Lord made over, over ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom the Lord, when he comes shall find so doing. So you're, you're, you're responsible for your household, for your children, for your, for your spouse, for your, uh, relatives, for friends, uh, watch therefore, for you know not the hour when the Son of Man comes. This type of an, any moment language does not fit into a post-tribulation rapture. If you're in the tribulation, you know at the end of it what's going to come. So it, it just, it doesn't line up. 
if Jesus were prevented from coming until after the Battle of Magog or the Battle of Armageddon and the rise of the Antichrist and the mark of the beast, we wouldn't have need to watch for him before the tribulation. But that's not what the scriptures say. Uh, if the church were required to go through the seven-year tribulation, you would expect the New Testament writers to have warned us, be prepared. Uh, Paul writes in First Thessalonians the word comfort alone. This strongly implies the rapture will take place before the tribulation. And finally, let me leave you with this. In 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 53, uh, the Apostle Paul writes, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. And in, in, in the twinkling of an eye, you can define that as the speed of light. So that's been broken down to be, be as tiny as one fortieth of a second. So quicker than you can blink an eye. That's how quick this will happen. That's how quickly you will be gone from the earth and in the presence of the Lord. Uh, Matthew twenty four forty. So will be this coming of the Son of Men. Man, then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, one left. Two men will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. He's telling you, you've, you've, you anticipate this. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and he would not have left his house be broken into. It's the same thing, he says, therefore you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Again, I just want to emphasize hour. Let me close by thanking you so much for joining us. I hope you, I hope you got something out of this and looking forward to the return of Jesus. Uh, please join us as we're going to be talking about in this next section uh, the rewards that, that await us as well as what happens in the marriage supper of the Lamb. So I look forward to seeing you the next go around. Thank you so much for joining us. Please hit the like or subscribe button. Join our email list. Any questions or comments, please email me uh, with any prayer requests. Be happy to pray for you as well. Uh, this is Mark Russick, and you've been listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. <laughs>